Hello, barbecue world. Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. As we break down the habits and mindsets of the great pitmasters in the world, I've always had in the back of my mind that I'd have an interview that not only brought light and attention to someone who changed the sport, but also provided an interview that is a guide for life in general. And I know it's early days, but I believe this is one of those podcasts. Today's podcast guest is Donnie Bray from Warren County Pork Choppers, 2014 KCBS Team of the Year. Donnie has won many contests, taught many classes, and is who I consider to be one of my primary mentors. This conversation is one that I've dreamed of having since I thought up this podcast, and it truly is better than I could have possibly imagined. If I was going to choose one podcast to listen to this year with everything going on barbecue related or not, I'd listen to this one. So please join me in welcoming Donnie Bray from Warren County Pork Choppers. And I am here today with one of my mentors in barbecue, Donnie Bray from Warren County Pork Choppers. Donnie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, you know, staying alive and staying healthy and, you know, just trying to make a little good in the world, you know? <laughs> That's all we can do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's a, I've got a couple great Donnie stories. One of my favorites is uh, really the first time we met, which was at your class down there in the holler. And I was struggling with chicken and came down there and had a bite of your chicken. And I, I was so happy to learn how it did that I gave you a hug. And you looked at me and you were like, hey, nobody ever hugged me in class before. <laughs> I, I won't never forget it. It, it. That was definitely, you know, if you're going to give a class, then, and my family really, really digs it. We get into it so much. And then it, when you make somebody happy enough, you can get a hug, then we've <laughs> achieved something. And, you know, it's not about, uh, people can look at it for all different different reasons. If you get to the level where you can give a class, that's great. And you might look at it as a financial thing and just get the people in and get you out. None of my family, I promise you, ever felt that way. We felt like that we had our friends there. We got to entertain them. We got to feed them. We got to give them some information. And and still to this day, we love classes and we love it for the reason of giving. Yeah. And receiving. And, and that really came through, you know, I've taken probably 10 classes at this point and yours is still easily the at the top of the list. It was an all-around fantastic experience i have so many friends that i met that weekend at that class yeah it's, it, it, it was just top notch all the way top notch all the way and it really it really showed through with just the the care and attention that everyone in your family put towards the class it was great well thank you we we, we love doing it and it's uh, it's, a, it's sort of like a party you know, where can you <laughs> gather that many people? And, and, you know, some of the cool things that I have the classes that was the snow class and some of the people, if they, if they was listening, was in that, we got like 14, 16 inches of snow and we don't <laughs> normally get that. And yeah. the school bus gig, you know, that come into play and everybody wanted, you know, people told people and next thing you know, they want to ride the old bus back out to the holler <laughs> and it snowed and we couldn't get the bus out of the holler. And so they, we pick them up in four wheel drive trucks and you could see these grown people with this big frown that just happened when we pulled up to their motel and pick them up in four wheel drive trucks. 
where's the bus? I said, come on, guys, get your crayon. Let's go. You know, you, you know they came for the bus ride. Absolutely. But, you know, all of those things are just so, so, so positive in our mind that that made barbecue great for us to experience some of those things. It, it's those little experiences. The class that I took was on Valentine's Day. And I remember having breakfast that morning with uh, Rock Moomaw from Rock's Money Pit. We had just met that weekend and uh, we had seen each other a few times up here. And so we still text each other every Valentine's Day and tell each other happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All from that one weekend, weekend down there. So, well, I, I just want to really thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with me tonight and to do this. One of the things that I took most from your class was your attention to detail and your confidence in your process. What advice would you give a pitmaster to improve their confidence? I'm going to go back a long ways. And I think that, that that's something that it's best that you start early in life with to, to gain that confidence. And that'll carry on through anything that you want to do. On the other hand, if you just wake up, in the morning inside, I want confidence and I want to go cook a barbecue competition. Keyword being competition, mm-hmm. you're getting a late start. That that that's that's you really need that embedded in your life to know I'm an achiever. I'm I can do this. I can do what I want to do. I can mm-hmm. make this happen. And then if you have that attitude and put that towards cooking, then yeah, you're you're gonna go further. You know, how many winners do you see in life that were just ho hum type of people? Mm-hmm. You know, you see a champion in anything that dude's that dude's put his life into it. So, you know, I, I really I like to break that question up into two parts. If you are one of those people that and, and I won't say you've got the competitive nature and you just got to win. You're a sore loser. No, I'm just talking about life. I'm talking about you're the type of guy get up off the couch. You get that de- dealt a bad deck of cards today in life. You get up and you change that you know, mm-hmm. the next day that makes it easier to be a competition, anything. But if you are in a competition cook and you're looking to go for that right now, then I say, change your thought process and say, I can do this. I'm going to do no matter what it takes. I, I don't give a crap if I don't sleep until the next competition, because that's the kind of two people you're going against. Yep. And if, as long as you can do that, as far as the newcomer, you mm-hmm. got to be aggressive. If you're the guy that's been your type guy that you don't care, you'll go through life and make it win. You're going to be a good competition cook. Absolutely. And that, you know, that was one of the, one of the things that I took a lot away from you was, you know, the dedication and how you got to, you got to go all in on it if you're going to make, make some hay in the world. And that really changed the way that both me and my wife looked at competition barbecue. Um, Really, really set us on a different path. And you've done very well with that. <laughs> I've been yeah. watching. We've been uh, very blessed and and very fortunate to have the success that we've had. And a, a lot of that has come from the people who have taught me. So I'm glad that we get to share a lot of that today. You have, you've led a very great and amazing and interesting life. How has, how has your career and your life experiences outside of barbecue prepared you to be a pit master on the competition trail? Well, you know, it's, um, 
old man now, but you know, it, <laughs> I turned 59 Friday. So I started business early. You know, I, I guess that I, I'm going to go back to a time that, that I met my wife, Tracy, mm-hmm. you know, I was a teenager, a uh, young man, 20 years old, just like everybody else didn't, you know, I just worked for the next beer, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I married a lady that I thought was just probably more than I could, uh, you know, she just come from a good, good life. And I come, I come straight off a tractor, you mm-hmm. know, and, and her family, you know, was achievers. And it was like, well, you did, I just got thrown right in the, in the lake. So I started that day when I got married going, well, it just nothing can settle, you know, cause I've got this great person I got to take care of. And, and li- literally life just went that way. And I, I changed careers. I was in construction. I become an electrician. Uh, I knew I wanted to go through that, get my license, blah, blah, blah. Then become a, um, a business person. And then every day is sink or swim. Mm-hmm. So that, prepared me in that sink or swim situation i think you're starting some new ventures from what i heard the other day and you can't you can't give up you can't it it didn't like okay that didn't work no you gotta fight harder well every one of those and that's what i go back to your first question is you got to be that person that that is going to make it happen and that's what competition is well life is obviously a competition. So mine started the day I met a wonderful lady and I had to provide for her and feed her. I come to life in this marriage with a bag of a brown paper bag and a couple of uh, pair of pants and uh, maybe a John Travolta hairdryer, you know, and, <laughs> and now we got to build a life around it. And, and competition barbecue really isn't any different than that. If you want to, you know, you just got to go. Absolutely. Give it to them. That's life. That's life. That's life. You know, one of the things that we all talk about, we spend a lot of time in the barbecue world. Everyone talks about their successes and things. And I did this and I was great at that. And, but I think one of the more interesting things for us to look at is, is failures. And how has a, a failure or an apparent failure during a competition, how did that set you up for later success in the barbecue world? You know, I've had several myself. I, I guess a funny story that I that I had was one one of the first times I made it to a Sam's cook. And I was cooking with an offset stick burner and got up, started my fire, wanting to wanting to hurry up, wanting to make it happen, put a bunch of wood in, walked across the parking lot, looked back with all the lights, and it looked like a witch's brew coming out of my stack. It was green. The smoke was green. You know, it, it really looked like a come off that movie hocus pocus and i took off running i got my meat out of the smoker i got you know it's like there's no shortcuts in this you know you can't just because you want to go back to bed you know and you got an offset sticker that baby's got to burn clean Uh, another big one in my life is uh in the tv show world is i didn't sauce pork well (laughs) god almighty i wish i had a nickel for every time somebody (laughs) <laughs> commented or criticized me about not saucing pork. Now, the reason why I did that was because the week before I won grand and I didn't sauce pork, but it didn't set as long as it would in a TV show. So I sort of looked like a possum's woo-woo, you know, I, <laughs> by doing something wrong. So I, And I could go on and on and on about the failures. You never forget them. You just don't do them again. Right. I, you know, it's one of those things that I've always, I keep, notes like everybody does and i try and remember 
when those things went wrong and they've helped me get better. They, they just help me keep me tuned in, especially switching pits. You know, I know you used to cook on the on the offset, and then you switched to the backwoods, and then I I went from the backwoods and went to an offset, and you know it's a whole new learning curve, a whole new ball game, and you really got to be on top of it. There, there's no doubt. It's I and you just got to make sure the smoker fits you. Yeah. And backwoods fit me very very well, and and it helped me fight. You know that that time that I I come in second and. Mm-hmm come back to get a shot at first I, I had those smokers dialed in and uh, I don't know sometimes you think you shouldn't never change in that and then you make a change and and I don't know we <laughs> suffer the consequences yeah yeah it's it's there's a learning curve but it also keeps it interesting and learning uh you know I switched to the jambo and learning on that and just the different problems that arise and the different ways you can fix them it's it's it it keeps barbecue fun for me. So, <laughs> well, I, I think that you know you get it's what you get used to. You know, uh, your timelines. I know what's really cool, and I I have a jambo, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful cooker. If you want to get on that five o'clock train, you got to ride it. If you want to be on the three o'clock train, it's a different one. Yep, <laughs> that is for sure. So let's switch gears here a little about a little bit and. Uh, what is the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Probably giving classes. <laughs> and, and that's one of them. When, when we got to that level where we thought it was, I told Tracy, I said, hey, I think, I think we ought to give a class. And she looked at me and she said, no, nobody wants to come here, anything you got to say. <laughs> and, and I said, I, I just, I just begged the difference. So I had Tori, you know, my daughter, she, take care of all of that kind of stuff and still works in the office for me. So she put it on Facebook. 20 minutes later, we get a phone call from in Seattle and, and, and it just, it filled up, you know, and that, that's probably the most surprising. That's one of the most surprising thing. The other thing is where barbecue would take me. I would have never dreamed, you know, I did my first competition in 1989 mm-hmm. and that was a little mom and pops thing here on the river and the, you know, there was a beer truck close by and it just wasn't serious. And then I tried a little bit of the uh, Memphis barbecue network thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I wouldn't have never dreamed that once I, once I really strapped in and put the plow on there, pulling for KCBS, that it would have took me to cooking on a pier in New York city, Las Vegas. Yep. I mean, my God, to see your name come across that ceiling in um, whatever that name of that street is, Fremont Street. Fremont Street, the yeah. Bigger, I mean, I cried like a schoolgirl when I see my name coming across <laughs> out there. And and then the uh, Sterling Ball, uh, Big Papa Smokers, to invite me to get to cook for some of his buddies in the music industry, the country music. I would have never dreamed that I would have met the people that I met. And, oh, my God, I owe barbecue so much. I really, really do. I can't. I, I I could never pay back what I was given. Yeah, those are those are all great memories. I have a lot of the same ones and a lot of the same experiences. And barbecue really does give a lot of great things to people, and it gives great friendships. And that's those are lifelong friendships, as I found out. And I think it's I just think it's fantastic. What do you think is missing from competition barbecue these days? The first easy word to say is camaraderie. You know, I guess it's still there, but I seem to have, it's hard to find it when we have people that's 
that's pulled away because of whatever they thought, judging some of the different uh, sanctioning bodies. There are just so many things. But I don't think barbecue, I think, it. you know, food in general is about people. It's about fun. It's about camaraderie. And we we have to hold that. So for me to know that some of my people that I just can't wait to go see if they ain't there, then that, that, now what started that? I don't know, but yeah, I'm seeing that a little bit. And I know that I want to get, I want to get back. The only reason why I'm not there is because of work yeah. and praise God for the work. It's been good. It's not anything bad, but I, I, the, the people yeah. mean it all. They mean it all. They really do. Yep, there's nothing like waking up in the morning and seeing our mutual friend Jackie Price hanging around a cooker. That's I miss that. <laughs> I talk to him quite often, and <laughs> and you know it was it, that's a man who really, really, really has put his heart and soul into it. Mm-hmm. And I never forget the first time I talked with him. Obviously, he'd been keeping up with me, but <clears throat> we was probably in one of the little towns in Kentucky, and and he was sitting on a rock wall. And I didn't know him from Adam. And I walked past him. They had, they had, uh, you know, food. And so I had a plate and I walked past him. He goes, well, there's them Warren County pork chopper just come to kick my butt again. <laughs> and he said it just like that. And then I was going, what, what did you say? Who, who are you? You know? <laughs> and we went on and still today, he's the guy that I talk with. If we could talk every week, I love it. He went on to, he helped me with classes. He took classes. Uh, one of the most memorable things with Jackie is he said, I know, I know you're telling me the, in your classes, but do you mind, could I cook a contest with you? And at that time, that was when I was going against uh, what now is a good friend, Tim with Truebud. Mm-hmm. And we was, uh, he was ahead of me in points and we went down to Florida. And I said, Jackie, come cook this Florida contest with me. And it's a sink or swim thing. And that's my, that's my, I, I try to always talk about that. That's life. That's sink or swim. And we went down there and he cooked with me and we won that competition and True Bud being there and True Bud come in second and we tied him in 2013, which we, if everybody that knows the story, we come in second because there is no, the tiebreaker or whatever happened. But mm-hmm. we ended up finishing the season tied in points, but we tied there. And Jackie cooked with me in that competition. So he's able to tell everybody, he said, well, I know the man is telling the truth because I just cooked with him in a competition that was most probably the most important one he would have. And so Jackie, to me, he's my big brother. Yep. Big meaning tall. And he's a little older than I am, but I love him to death. Yes, I do too. I got to, I got to see him. Was it early? It was earlier this year. And I, I just love him and, and his wife. They're both fantastic people. Let's get into some uh, gear questions a little bit. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in, in barbecue? Wow. I guess, I guess I'm going to say the competition trailer. Because mm-hmm. and something that, that we've been talking classes, I don't want to keep beating that drum, but one of the things that I feel like makes every person do better is being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And taking the competition trailer to the level to where it's comfort is 
110% to you, the organization of it, the comfort of it. I think that's, I know it's a big ticket item in that, but truly, if you can get your smokers, and, and I'd really like to think I was one of the guys, the first guys that was putting their smokers inside and piping the exhaust out. And when we started doing that, and I'll never forget, we was in a competition in Georgia in, uh, wow, I forget which one. Anyway, it was it come it snowed. It it come one of those crazy storms like it does in Georgia, and it lightning and thunder and hit a hit a transformer and blew a transformer out over Jackie's trailer, and then started <laughs> snowing heavy. And I I, I remember I I took a picture and put it on Facebook. I had some pink pig house shoes on, sitting in my back of my smoker or back room where my smokers was and, and the heat's on and, and not, and that was another where we, where we was fighting for the points and, and Trubo was there and, and a good buddy of mine now, uh, Darren Worth was there mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, we, we got a grand, you know, and it, I was just so, so comfortable, you know, so, and, and backwood smokers, they was doing their job and, you know, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to say getting the, not just a competition trailer, get it right for yourself to where you're comfortable. And it don't matter what Jesus throws at you, as long as it don't blow it over on its side, you ought to be able to compete and do well. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big change for us. The first <laughs> time we had our, our current trailer, we cooked and it was 28 degrees and howling wind and we were probably stupid at the time, but we kept the back all closed up and I cooked in shorts that day and we won first, first, first event in that trailer. And I was, people were like, we didn't even know you were here. I was like, yeah, cause it's cold. <laughs> I wasn't coming outside. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So trailer and classes. Yeah. Those are expensive, but do you have a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has really positively impacted your barbecue life? Well, I do. I don't even know if they cost me anything, but, and, and I know they can be bought on eBay, but one of the things that I think impacted me a lot when I was really struggling with, with ribs years ago was a, and I have a flyer sifter. That's an antique mm-hmm. that, that I, you may have seen in the class, but to me, to be able to put my sugar up on the smoker and dry it out and get that molasses dried out and I know and I've had it told to me many many times well you can just buy sugar like that but to me I'd like to put it in full put it up on my smoker get it dried out where I can crumble it in my hand and then put it in a sifter because I had it in my mind and I still do but there could be people listening they could change my mind but I have it in my mind that sugar has a positive and a negative effect in ribs Mm -hmm. and getting the right amount of that sugar on there to me along with the balance of the butter and uh, and everybody uh, with the apple juice that 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 was it just seemed like when i got this sifter and i started drying that sugar out and i got me the layer that i wanted on there then ribs started coming around this tender they didn't tighten up they didn't tighten up in the box they didn't do this and you know i still see now if i was to practice and i didn't have my sifter then when I just take my hands and put sugar on there, I just couldn't get the texture that I want. So I still in my mind and a scientist might tell me different. (laughs) I feel that sugar has a positive and a negative effect 
on that. And that and my trucker knife, which didn't cost me anything. My father-in-law makes them. But having a sharp, sharp knife and keeping it sharp so that I know the consistency when I cut those ribs or I cut that brisket. I want that same feel every time. Because that way when I cut it, I feel good about it. But if I got my knife that's all over the board, whether it's sharp or it's not sharp, then I don't feel it. A dull knife feels different than a sharp knife. So my, my knife and my sugar sifter would be my less than $100 purchase. That That is a great answer because you, you are a thousand percent right with the knife, the knife feel on the rib. That is such an important indicator to me when I'm cooking because if I – if I cut that first rack and, and I'm like, okay, that didn't, that didn't feel good. I'm trying to see if I got a little bit more time where I can try and loosen them up a little bit. It, that, it's, it's all about the feel. It really is. And it's, it's not, it's not a temperature. It's not, you know, it, it's feel. So yeah, that's a great, great answer. Who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? You may not know who I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to say Steve Keach. Had had a team, ZZQ. Mm-hmm. When I went to my first KCBS competition, my competition before that would have been Memphis Barbecue Network, and I brought him over. He was a nice guy, and he's still he's still a friend of mine to today. But I I brought him over to my trailer, and I opened up my smoker, and I had that dude loaded up with with chicken breast. <laughs> and I said, "Look at this chicken, and it it looked so good." And he and he just looked at me, and said, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay," and just walked off the trailer. <laughs> and I didn't know anything. That was my first KCBS contest, and so anyway, the contest was over. I finished probably next to last, just where I needed to be because I didn't understand, you know, cooking and cooking what they want is two different things. Mm-hmm. So as the competition was when the competition was over, I walked over to him. And I said, I don't guess I blowed your skirt up at all with them, <laughs> with them uh, chicken breasts. And he goes, no. He goes, let me just, let me talk to you a little bit. And so he started talking to me and I'm listening. And and he, w- he had been to a Rod Gray class. And I don't even know how many years ago this was, but I'm listening to him. And he goes, man, I paid a lot of money for this information. A lot, at least you could write it down. And I said, hold on, hold on. Let me go back and get my pencil. So I went back and I wrote it down. And, and Steve, after that, after I learned what KCBS wanted, and years later he came to my class two or three times, and and still to this day for that man to take a little bit of time to say cooking is one thing, but competition and what these judges want is another. And 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 I took his information and I pushed it as far as I could. Yeah, those those kind of turning points are so important to to all of our success. And what was the biggest turning point in your career as a pitmaster? Well, I, I think it was winning my first grand. It was an unusual grand to win. It was one of those that was a week before the jack. I mm-hmm. won the grand and I mean, it was a week before the jack draw. So it was uh-huh. the last one. Yeah. Well, not only did we win that, then we won the draw for Kentucky. I mean, we didn't win it. The Kentucky got a draw for a competitor that wasn't in state. 
So Kentucky has that. It has to have a someone from the state. So then they put our name in the hat, and and uh, we we first grand get to go to the Jack. Wow. And so I guess that was a big that was a big turning point for. You keep mentioning the Jack. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I've never been there. One time I signed up for this contest in Wise, Virginia, and they had a guy call that week said he had to get into that contest because they let one more team in. <laughs> and then they let, they let Warren County Pork Choppers into Wise, Virginia, and I, I RGC'd that day to Warren County Pork Choppers. You know, that still, to me, that was a proud moment for me. It was. Uh, it's in my top three barbecue moments of all time, Donnie. Uh, that was that was so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> I, I I was so I was so honored. I needed the points. Thank you. But <laughs> I I I was so honored to get, walk that stage with you. That was a great great contest and a lot of fun. And I remember Greg Cross went and tell me who the team was, and then I saw the trailer pull in. And I went, oh my, okay. <laughs> let's let's get after it you know we we can't be concerned and uh yeah that contest you know that's when you mentioned going to places that you would never go you know wise virginia is one of those places and it's just the greatest little town not being able to go there this year really affected us we've been there for that competition every year and it's it's been tough i, I like the the uh heard the story about the haunted motel where they set the reps up and all of that it was a cool deal no no matter what i i loved it yeah they 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 mess with me a good bit there in that time <laughs> you know when when you're traveling for points and and i do think it started getting off the beaten trail a little bit but when when you're one of those teams that want to travel for points and that 50 team contest and what they had back in the day and how the you could strive to to achieve some 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 more points and that when all that was gone that took a little bit away from it for me because I I I I don't know I don't know why they did it but you know it took me places that I wouldn't normally go I like looking for the big contests I like I like taking that extra points I like all of those and and in doing that it made some wonderful memories and and I sort of hate it that it's not there yeah I agree I agree and it's one of those things that you know you get into we had our competitions that we would always go to that were kind of like part of our our year-long you know routine and I'm probably one of the more superstitious guys out there in terms of rituals and routines and habits. Do you have any of those type of things that you do during a competition? Oh man. <laughs> well, I think I mean, probably everybody knows I carry a wing nut in my pocket since 1978. This wing nut was on the breather of my new pickup truck. I bought in 1978 and any of the older people that knew about, chevrolets and quadrajets how you flip the breather over to make them make more noise i flipped my breather over and i put a chrome nut on that and because the truck was new give seventy three hundred dollars for it i put this wing nut in my pocket going i don't know what to do with this but it's a new truck i can't throw it away it's in my pocket today and by the i hope jesus don't never let me lose it but between that and some lucky shorts that, that got so wore out that I would just hang them up in my trailer. <laughs> yes, I got them, and I got them deep, and I'm very much 
believe in always the the sacrifices of keeping things the same. Absolutely. And speaking of that, you know, one of the other things that I took away um, learning from you so much was how, how barbecue is an everyday thing. And still to this day, our competition planning week is still based on what I learned in your class. So is your, is your week still the same when you're going to do a competition? Oh, definitely. You know, we Sunday coming home is, is still, uh, we, we just, we just went to, it wasn't a, a competition. We went to a, a, a car function and Sunday morning, getting up, coming home and having coffee and the drive home and talking with my wife is, is the, the start really of the, of the next week. And then Monday, getting up, washing the truck, washing the trailer, putting it away. Tuesday, shopping for meat, hoping that don't go into Wednesday. Wednesday, trimming meat and having that prepared if it ain't right throw it in the freezer and give it to your neighbor go back shop again and then leave thursday that that routine never never changes it only lengthens lengthens if you something that goes wrong right <laughs> that's the same for us and it's one of those things i and i teach it a lot in my classes and i give you credit for it is when you trim your meat and you buy your meat if you've got a piece of meat in that cooler that's going to the competition that you're you're not happy with, then you're already behind the eight ball. That, no mediocre meat gets a ride. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're showing up to a gunfight with a baseball bat, and you're already behind the eight ball. So that's why I preach trimming before you get there, so you know what you got. Yeah, that that I, I don't think there's any way ever doing it and being successful without. And and that confidence level, you got to have the confidence to know I got exactly what it takes. How many times you felt good? You going? I got three money muscles. It's oh my god, they're unbelievable. <laughs> and that gives you the confidence to go into the fight. If you got in going, man, my pork sucks. Well, you you're gonna your pork is gonna suck because you're not gonna have that that confidence feeling that you're gonna cook it correctly. And that's where it all starts. It's it's a whole week process and trying to teach that, preach that to people as much as I can. You and know, when you cook 41 weeks a year <laughs> and you're putting in six days a week, 41 weeks, then I, I just, I really wish barbecue didn't take as many weeks as it does to achieve the goal that you want. Because it, it just, if you don't, can't go every other, uh, you know, if you got that whole home attitude, then, that's your outcome. Yep. You got to be all in and 30, 40 weeks is, is hard on about anybody. And it's hard for the, the, the person who wants to just get good outcomes to go against the people who are willing to go all in and do the 30 or 40. It's just hard. It is. It is. And I tell people all the time, if you want to be a better competition cook, then cook four weeks in a row. Always. Yes. And, and you will learn more about yourself and your cooker than you ever thought possible. Yeah. You need to hold what you learned, what you, what you thought was wrong the week before and make it right the next week. Yep. Yep. And one of the, a lot of those things, you know, when you cook a lot of weeks in a row like that, it's, it's getting those, those gut feelings and something that your intuition is telling you that you need to do. 
you know, how do you, how do you relate to those gut feelings if you feel like something might be a little off time or how, how do you process that? Well, I, I really think my gut feelings usually start in the trim process. Mm-hmm. And that gut feeling is what I try to hold on until Saturday afternoon. You know, if I feel a brisket is, you know, a little bit loose, if I feel a brisket that, you know, it's got a side that's going to fall off, if I feel all of these things, this gut feeling is how, I gonna, how I'm going to cook it. Mm-hmm. So if I got a money muscle that, that feels really nice in the raw, then I'm not, I'm going to be, my gut feeling is, I'm going to be very cautious with this. I could overcook this piece of meat very, very, very easily. So I'm trying to break this muscle down in the raw before I get it to the, to the cooker. Mm-hmm. So I use a, I mean, gut feeling is a, is a lot to me starting from the, the trim. Yeah. Do you have an example of when your gut feeling didn't make sense and you were like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> wow. I don't know. You know, I guess, uh, I guess probably if I was thinking about that, it would be the competitions and there would be one that stick out of my mind. It would be that those competitions where they only call the top five. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I ended up, I take a, I take a group of people that go with me. It's a competition that's close to me and, and they don't know anything about competition. And I'm telling them, man, I know I'm, I'm good at this, blah, 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 blah. Well, we go to the awards and, you know, we're sitting there and I don't get a call. And, you know, they're, oh, Bray, you drug it down here. You didn't know good at this. We didn't even get a call, blah, blah, you know, just wearing me out in the stands. And I'm said, I feel like I could dangle my feet off a dime. <laughs> and then we get a call in brisket. We win brisket. We get, oh, there you go, boys. You know, we got about eight or ten people heckling me, my friends. And and I said, we get a call in brisket, just hoping that would get me out of this, the trap I'm in with them. And next thing you know, we GC the contest because they only called top five. Well, I was probably six in three other comp- three other categories and win brisket. And now they're jumping for joy and I'm jumping for joy. And, you know, it's just like, so top five, where they only call the top five, it would be the answer to your question. <laughs> And that happened several times, but that yeah. was a big. Yeah, those are tricky ones, and you're sitting there going, "You know, you're like, I thought it was good, <laughs> you know." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just terrible with the top five thing. <laughs> All right, well, th- thank you so much for spending some time with me. I have some rapid fire questions here that I really enjoy asking my guests because there's some fun stuff in here. What is one of your favorite pre, during, or post-competition meals? Fish tacos, Friday. <laughs> Always. Yep, it is still a thing that we do as often as we can as well. <laughs> you know, I think, can I tell the story a little bit about what the fish taco is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm no angel, but Jesus is a big thing to me. And me and Tracy was coming back from a competition and i don't know we got to talking about the the catholic i'm baptist you know we were talking about the catholics and and what the fish ritual on friday is and how it's given back by everything that it is i don't know what when we we're at the end of this competition i'm like well i can I can do fish tacos. Nobody's really going to know what I'm doing. And that's my sacrifice. But is it really a sacrifice when they're good? 
Exactly. It's only a sacrifice when they suck, you know, because <laughs> I've been to places that had fish tacos. It was terrible. But so we started fish tacos on Friday, and that was my sacrifice. And Jackie Price done the fish tacos. So it was our way of sacrifice and just what we did always. And and I love the reason I did it, and I love doing it for all those many years. That I still do. Still do. Absolutely. What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets you? You know, I guess whining about the judges so much. I know it's we're, we're asking for something that is an opinion. Mm-hmm. So, gosh almighty, it's so hard to – I know that, that, it, that there's a lot of judging that ain't right. But I do know that we're asking for an opinion. So I know that we as cooks have to always make sure that we can put a neutral product out there that is the best neutral, not too much salt, not too much flavor, not too much anything. So, you know, I guess the judging, belly aching about the judging would be my Yeah, I, I agree with you. They're not always right and they're not always wrong. But I, I do know that we as cooks have to make sure that we put a pleasant enough product that we can't insult anybody. Yep. Yep. What is your favorite present that you like to give to people? <laughs> I don't know. I heard yours the other night, but you know, to me it's like a present that is overwhelming in their hobby. Mm-hmm. So when I give somebody something, I don't want to give them something that's not, you know, something that uh, they're really into, I guess. Yeah. But I, I ain't giving nobody underwear yet. So I know <laughs> I, think that, and I think I heard yours and, and you got a real fetish with that. <laughs> I don't know that I would call it a fetish, but it is <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. You know, I sent, uh, I sent Fred Robles a, a pair of underwear once and he called me and he goes, is this, this is weird. I said, <laughs> Said, yeah, man, just put them on. Trust me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I never thought of it. Now I can do it because it's your own gig. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it that millions or billions of people would say, what would it be and why? Wow. Man, I don't know. <laughs> uh <laughs> It's a tough one. Less is less is more. Less is more. That's my that's what I love to say always in competition. Is don't overthink it. Don't overseason it. You know, I guess so anything you're trying to do in life, I'd say less is more. It's one of the things that I know when I get into a problem with the meat and it's because I've added too much. You know, I've done too much to it. And I need to start taking things away to make it better. And I think that's a great life lesson too. You know, especially now we all pile so much on our plates, you know, sometimes to focus on the things that really matter, you have to take some stuff away and and really keep your focus. I had a gentleman that I was, when I was cooking for points and, and I was in uh, Myrtle beach and he was going, man, I struggle with ribs and I just can't get it. And, and we was pitted next to one another there. And I, I, so I just gave him a whole rib recipe and everything to put on it. You know, it's like, so anyway, we went on and by the grace of God, we won that con- competition and, and it was what we needed for points. And, and 
we get back to our trailer and he's mad at me. And I said, what's the matter? He goes, well, I put everything you said on ribs. I finished next to last. And, and I said, man, I'm, I promise you, I did not mean to ever tell you anything wrong. And I said, what'd you do? And so he went through the whole smear and he said, and then right at the end that my grandmother makes this best orange marmalade <laughs> jelly. And he said, I said, did you ever think for a minute, maybe somebody didn't want orange marmalade on their ribs? <laughs> but no, he blamed it all on me, you know, <laughs> and just like, Less is more. You don't. You didn't need that. You didn't need it. Can't, don't put anything in there somebody might not like. Right. Just put. Just make it pleasant. Cook it perfectly done. You know, sweet heat and smoke. That's barbecue. That's don't go. Don't go outside that realm, and you'll stand a good chance of always getting a call. Absolutely. Well, Donnie, this has been when I started this podcast. One of the people that first names on my list was yours. And uh, just because you've you've been so meaningful to my competition barbecue life, but also in my life in general. And uh, I just want to thank you again for being on here. Yeah, it's an honor for you to have me. An honor. <laughs> I, I promise you. I, I, it's, it was an honor that you hugged me that day. And you will always be cherished as a friend in my heart. And I, I really, really, really enjoyed the what you got out of barbecue. And I hope I was just a little part of that. And it's all good. More than a little part, my friend. More than a little part. Maybe watch that mailbox here in the next couple of weeks. You might, might get a little present in there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Donnie. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Yes, sir. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with all of your friends. Also, to be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Old Virginia Smoke. Also, like and subscribe to that channel as well. We will have a lot of new videos coming out soon. We will see you next week with one of the hottest cooks in the country right now, Chris Schaefer from Heavy Smoke. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020. Yes. Old Virginia Smoke.